How's it going today, guys? Back here live in the studio for an episode of Hot Takes with TP3. Once again, I'm your host, Thomas Penland, coming to you live from Atlanta, Georgia, the now home of point guard DeJounte Murray playing next to Trey Young, joined by Ben Gorwitz. Ben, say what's up to the people, man. It's a good day to be an Atlanta Hawks fan. Um, you and I were just talking, like, If you're a team that's trying to compete, which obviously the Hawks are trying to do, I I don't care about picks. Get rid of all the picks. I don't care if we don't have a single draft pick next year. Like, when you have Trey Young on your team, you're most likely not getting a lottery pick for the foreseeable future. So Mm. you might as well try to compete. And I know that the top of the East is very competitive, whether it's uh, Milwaukee, Miami, uh, Boston, Philly. Like, it, we they beat Philly – already in a series so just try to get better and better and better so i i like the move a lot one of the picks is like 2027 what what does that make that means the kid's like is that kid even in high school yet no (laughs) that's probably in eighth grade bro yeah i mean so it's like it no he's definitely not in high school so yeah i don't care about a 2027 pick so um i think it's a good move for the hawks you know he's a great great defender uh, I mean, he's going to have to get a little bit better at shooting with if Trey has the ball in his hands. They're both going to switch off. Trey will play more off ball now. DeJounte will have to improve his shooting. But the fact that they didn't give up John Collins still means that a move could still be on the table. But I also saw today that with the salary cap going up about 11. Yeah, it was 11 million. I think it went up like John Collins takes up less than 20 percent of the team's salary. So at this point, it's not a bad contract. No, I'm with you on that completely. I mean, at the end of the day, I think it's more that John Collins is is not happy with it with being in Atlanta. I mean, him and Trey, like there's times in the past, like at the beginning of the season, I think it was last year maybe where he was saying Trey didn't pass the ball enough. You know, was complaining. He wants more like he wants more paint touches versus like alley oops and stuff. Yeah, I think he's yeah he wanted the ball to move a lot more and look like. I like John Collins. Like, he cares a lot. He tries hard. But at the same time, John Collins isn't really creating for himself. You know what I mean? Like, a lot of what he does is based off what Trey does for him. So, I thought it was kind of stupid for him. I like the fact that he wanted to step up and be the team leader. I just don't think it's his team. You know what I mean? So, it's not really his call in that sense. But I think that – so, I mean, let's put it this way. I don't know if this is going to fix the thing with Collins. I don't know if he'll stick around or not like he always does. I mean, they said he was pretty much done. I listened to a lot of NBA podcasts, and they were all saying that they think Collins is done. He's out of there. I mean, there could be a sign-in trade potentially with Aiton where we move Capella and Collins in a three-team deal. I mean, at the end of the day, if we get Collins' money off the books, we should be able to – and obviously Capella would be in the sign-in trade. Collins could be traded in a separate trade, and then Aiton is is acquired in another separate sign-in trade since Capella moving. So, I mean, I'd say Atlanta's not necessarily done just yet. I want to say that DeAndre Hunter can play power forward, but at the same time, DeAndre Hunter does not rebound the ball at all. He barely averages three rebounds per game. And just, you know, people I've heard talk and stuff say that they really try to get him more engaged on that end of things. I'm not sure if DeAndre Hunter can play the four for us. So I guess we would have to get in their power forward back. At the same time, I don't like Collins' defense, but picking up Murray and having Hunter out there gives you two of the best probably perimeter defenders in the league. Trey and and Collins are obviously below average defenders, so that hurts a little bit. But obviously having Capella out there can forgive a lot of the sins as well on defense and a Kongwu. So, I mean, hey, maybe a Kongwu can slide in there and play that four, you know, so – it will don't be think you can – yeah, I mean, I don't think you can rely 
I don't think you can build around Hunter at like a specific position until he shows yeah. you he can play at least half the season. No, I agree with you too on that. I mean, Hunter, like I, I, somebody said this, and at first I didn't like the comparison. I thought about it more, and I kind of like the comparison. DeAndre Hunter is the Hawks version of Dansby Swanson. You know, like he he plays for certain stretches, and you're like, wow, this guy's an all star. This guy could be like the next big two way player in the league. You know, then he plays a stretch of games, and you're like is this guy even belong on the team? You know, like I it's kind of the same thing with Dansby, you know, like you see Dansby throw people out deep at shortstop and then barrel home runs after home run after home run. You're like, damn, he's the, he's our $15 million a year shortstop. Then you see Dansby over the next three game stretch and you're like, damn, I don't even know if I want Dansby on the team anymore. So, you know, it, 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 it it's just kind of how it shakes out. But I think Hunter, his biggest thing has been he hasn't been healthy in the offseason. This is going to be his first healthy offseason. So, you know, I think he's going to have some time to uh, get his body right and have some time to grow. I do want to talk a little bit more, though, about DeJounte Murray here real quick. DeJounte Murray is a guy we've seen get better and better every single year. I mean, his first year in the league, he pretty much didn't play at all. Then he averaged 8.1 points per game, getting about 21 minutes. The next year, he got four more minutes, got that up to 10 up to uh, 10 minute points per game, but his three point average jumped to or percentage jumped from 26 to 36. So it went up 10%. Then it went down to 31 and then 32 last year. But we saw as his minutes increased, saw his points go up to 15.7 and he made the big jump this year to averaging 21.1. He also averages 8.3 rebounds and 9.2 assists. The guy's basically a walking triple double. And you put that next to Trey Young, who's also basically a walking triple double. Ben, I think this is what we need, man. When we talked about the Hawks, we said we needed a secondary playmaker and score off Trey who can create for the whole team when Trey goes to the bench or whenever the defense is centered around Trey. He's going to take a lot of the load off of him. Yeah, and Trey can play off ball uh, a little bit more now, which means he can move without the ball more. Mm -hmm. Um, He's really going to be compared to – probably not anymore because Steph just went to another level, but he's moving without the ball. Being a shooter, he's gonna he's gonna get compared more to oh he's playing like Steph Curry now. So um, yeah, I think it's only good things from Trey. It, this was like a tease, like we didn't know if it was really gonna happen, but I feel like Trey kept tweeting like this is gonna be the best off season. It's like he ain't just talking about training, like he's not just talking about getting in shape for next season. Dejounte Murray's been teasing everyone with like all these like emojis on Twitter. So I think he was probably in the in the know with Popovich and the Spurs organization like hey we're we are looking to trade you here's the kind of options we're looking at that's kind of what it seemed like to me um then the Hawks were able to land him yeah shout out Landry Fields first year as the GM already made a big move yeah shout out Landry Fields man not gonna lie when I saw the Gobert news I was ready to drive to downtown Atlanta and tell him to tell him to uh put him up or uh shut up you know so I'm glad that he went ahead and made that move for us the other thing too we talked about it before we started the podcast. DeJounte Murray led the NBA in, in steals. He's the only player to average two or more steals per game in the entire league. That's definitely going to help to a Hawks defense that was lackluster. And, I mean, calling that defense lackluster is honestly a nice way of putting it. It was downright pathetic last year. I think our Hawks team just got better. And at the end of the day, Ben, we paid the price for it. But it is what it is. I can totally, completely live with that. Nobody wins a championship without going all in. I think we finally went all in. Um you know, Ben, first thing we need to do here, well, the first thing I want to say is we timed this podcast up perfectly, guys. So I said Ben on Monday, I was like, we need a podcast tomorrow. And then yesterday, you know, I felt like that there was some more moves to be made today. I was like, let's put it off for one more day. And we waited till the perfect time. But first thing we got to do, guys, we got to go back and recap a little about the NBA draft. First of all, 
been, I think this was the most inaccurate mock drafts we've had. I mean, in that Trey and Luca draft, I had the mock draft almost perfect. Then, I mean, I guess that Lonzo and, and Anthony Edwards year, we were, I mean, LaMelo and Anthony Edwards year, we were both pretty close by on that one. And then last year's draft, I mean, we were pretty much on point with all the picks in the top 10. Ben, what do you think went down, man, that made our mock draft so terrible with uh, the first pick flipping to Paolo? Yeah, I don't know what happened late. Um, I, I don't – it was weird because, like, you can listen to, to like, reporters this and that. People don't – the only one – the only people that know is Vegas, the ones that set the lines. And Jabari was the favorite 90% of the pre-draft. Um, and then it really switched to uh, Chet and Jabari. And then all of a sudden, like, <clears throat> night before the draft, really morning of the draft, all of a sudden here comes Palo out of the, out of the clouds. Going from, uh, do you remember the odds? You told me some crazy odds. He went from, do you yes. remember them? Yeah, so this is one of the wildest things I've ever seen. So Paolo was at 25 to 1 on Sunday night. Monday morning, he was at 9 to 1. Then on like, I think it was Wednesday. And when he, when he was 9 to 1, was he the second favorite at that point? No, he was third still. Because Jabari was yeah. like plus 300 and Jabari was like minus, anywhere from minus 300 to 600 to minus 165. But yeah, then he went all the way down to three to one the night before, or like I guess Tuesday night he was he was three to one, and then at the end of the night Wednesday he went all the way from plus one sixty to minus one sixty, then he went all the way back up to plus three hundred the day after Woj announced in the morning that the, the top three was going to be the order the Jabari Chet Paulo order, then he went all the way to, to like minus like four hundred right before the pick was in. One of the craziest things I've ever seen, and I'm glad I did not participate in betting on that because, I mean, look, I think, Ben, we talked about it a couple times whether it was on podcast or text. We both kind of agreed that we thought Paolo would be the best fit here for the Magic, but we just didn't see any way that they were going to take him number one overall. I mean, I was honestly doubted Bancaro a lot. I can't even lie in college. He didn't really show me what I wanted to see there for a while, but I thought in the NCAA tournament, actually, that the biggest moments he stepped up, he hit some big threes in that Texas Tech game that Duke pulled away late and won. I mean, he had a huge army. I can't remember which game it was, and I don't think it was the – think it was the elite eight game where he like at the beginning where he drove to the hole just like at the pass to mark Williams. it felt like that he was ready at the biggest moments you know what i mean and i thought the magic really needed a wing like i think franz wagner and wendell carter play well in big man now you plug him in you got jalen suggs and cole anthony your guards magic got a little squad yeah um they really do i was wrong i'm, I'm gonna start stop doubting the magic because i was wrong mm-hmm. on cole anthony and i was wrong on uh you know, Franz Wagner. So we both were, to be fair. Um, I think you liked Cole Anthony, but I, I was, I, I was just a didn't huge, think, yeah, I was a huge yeah, Cole Anthony guy. I, I just think if you're that small in the NBA, you can be successful, but you have to be a really good shot creator. I didn't know if I saw it enough at North Carolina. I was clearly wrong on that. Um, they just have like, so it's weird. They have like a million guards on their team. So they have Markel Fultz who played well in yeah. limited time. Um, he now has a full off season where he was healthy. They have Jalen Suggs, they have Cole Anthony, and they have someone else. I think I'm missing. They have Terrence Ross, but they're probably about to trade him though, from what I've heard. Um, uh, maybe maybe that was it. But those are like three pretty good options. So um, whenever Jonathan Isaac can can get back, he that's been weird. He's been out like two years with an ACL yeah. injury. Um, I, listen, I, I think the Magic can really compete early on, like the season four, one of the, the last two, three spots in the East. Like the East, after the top four, maybe five teams, it gets like 
you it, it's all over the map really the west is a lot more mm-hmm. loaded um so the east is kind of all up in the all up in the air for the last you know four five six spots so i i'd like to see them compete um maybe not year one but but it needs to happen quickly because at some point you can't just go young 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 and it not turn out and you have to either turn young into um promise and talent or you need to trade the young for actual talent that you've already seen in the nba so we'll see Mm -hmm. if they can kind of put it all together they're kind of similar to like and it's it's a really bad comparison in terms of sports but the magic are kind of like texas in football now right the talent is there can the coaching staff put it all together and put the talent into wins on the court right and we'll talk about texas a lot more in uh you know when we do our college football podcast but texas now that they got arch manning they just signed the number one two and i think seven players in the state of texas and two out of the three or five stars and they've signed four other four stars so the magic are right there right like how many first their whole team is first round picks it seems like now yeah no the magic are definitely are right there i still think this team is too young and still has a little ways to go they're not going to retain mo bamba it's kind of funny though like you brought up the other guard we forgot by the way is rj hampton is the other guy but um but it's kind of funny like i remember the magic at one point in time they had like sergey baka vucevic aaron gordon and like even jonathan isaac and and, and one other center that i can't even remember it was like the magic wanted it was like literally the magic were trying to hoard every single center in the nba and now it's kind of like they hoarded all these point guards into one team pretty much they have like four point guards basically now so it's better to have it's better to hoard the guards though absolutely i agree with you completely i think I think this team's still young. I think they still got a ways to go, but I mean, I think I think they'll be competitive this year. They'll definitely take it on the chin some. I think they'll definitely learn what it takes to compete in the NBA. And I think the following year, though, is their year to get in the playoffs again. But um, looking at the way the rest of the lottery kind of panned out, you know, like they're the less the rest of the top three went. I mean. I think Chet's the perfect pick for OKC because he doesn't make you too good too soon. And he gives you time, you know, to wait on him. I think if any team can wait on a player like that, it's definitely OKC with Chet. And think about it. They got Puko, who's basically his twin brother now, that gets to play next to Chet. <laughs> I mean, he just seems like the perfect fit for them. Then on top of that, the Rockets really don't lose out. I mean, yeah, they thought they were going to get Paolo, but at the end of the day, Jabari Smith is probably the most ready guy, the most sure-fought thing in the NBA. I mean, if, if, if I had to bet my life on any of these guys being good in the NBA, I would take Jabari Smith being good. I mean, he plays yeah. defense. He want, he has, like, he has a motor, and he can score. He can shoot in the mid-range. He can do it all, man. So, you know, I thought that, the, I thought that all the three teams were winners in the lottery. It just didn't necessarily pan out the way I wanted it to. Um I really like the Jalen Green and Jabari Smith Jr. combination now. I think that's a duo that's going to get up and down the court. I think that's a duo that can space the floor with with uh, between Jalen's speed and, and uh, Jabari's. Like he's very flexible. Like you said, I think he can space out uh, and, and get a catch and shoot opportunity. I think he plays well in the pick and roll. I think you can give it to him one on one. So um, I, I really like those two. I think Houston's doing in a really good spot. I would be very ecstatic if I was a Houston Rockets fan. They're, I mean, they're further behind. Like the West is a lot more loaded, uh, top to bottom than the East. So it's going to take some time, but I, I thought Jalen Green, who had like, I would say an okay, uh, rookie campaign, nothing, nothing crazy good. Not like, you know, Cade Cunningham mm-hmm. was, was the best player. Um, I believe he won rookie of the year, didn't Nate Cade Cunningham? No, it was uh, Scotty Barnes. Or Scotty Barnes, that's right. My so, guy. Um, yeah, I mean, I don't think Jalen Green had like a great, great year, but 
his athleticism showed off the charts. I think he had some good moments. Um, and they're just really young. So I, you know, I, I kind of wish Christian Wood was still on that team that you could have Christian Wood, Jabari Smith and, and Jalen Green. But unfortunately that's not the case, but I think it's a good start for another rebuild for Houston. I really do. Yeah, the main reason they moved Christian Wood, too, is he only had one year left on his deal. They knew he probably wasn't going to re-sign there, so they might as well get something for him while they still can. Um, I think we said all that needs to be said about the top three. Let's talk about the fourth pick here, Ben. And I just want to go back to something I said on our last podcast. I haven't gone on a rant on this in a long time about something. And Twitter. Same and on Twitter. Twitter. I said specifically, no matter what the Kings would do, they would find any way possible to mess it up. And they would do the worst thing, and whatever they did would be the wrong move. And what did they do? They made the wrong move. Look, I'm not saying Keegan Murray's a bad player. I'm just saying Marvin Bagley was a 50 times better player than Keegan Murray in college. Keegan Murray's a good player, don't get me wrong, but Marvin Bagley looks like a generational talent when he was in college. And they somehow figured out a way to turn a generational talent into a guy who gets traded for a second-round pick. I mean, how the hell is Keegan Murray going to do that much better? Keegan Murray isn't even a freshman. This is a second-year guy, which I personally don't even hate that part about it. I just think at the end of the day, man, you can't – you like, Jaden Ivey is on the board. We watched Jaden Ivey play. Me and you bragged on Jaden Ivey on multiple times whenever we talked about college basketball on our podcast. This is a guy who played on played in Big Ten where, I mean, you have some of the best basketball in college basketball, and he was the best player on the floor every single time he was on the floor in those games. I didn't watch him play – I didn't watch him play one game all season long where I didn't think he was the best player on the floor at all. This guy looks like he – there would be nine guys moving slower than him on the floor. Nobody was playing at his speed – I mean, Jaden Ivey, when you're as bad as the Kings have been, you don't have the right to pick the best fit. You pick the best guy available. The Kings went with the best fit. The Kings absolutely effed this up. This was a stupid-ass pick. The Kings will be in the lottery again and again and again. They will not make the playoffs. They might make the play and There is no shot in hell that they are going to make the playoffs again. This is the most idiotic, dumb thing I've ever seen. The NBA should just take their franchise away and move it out to Vegas. They do not deserve to have a team. I swear to God, you could be the smartest front office person Person possible in position of the Kings, and they would find some way to F it up. That team is cursed. Get them out of Sacramento. That was the stupidest shit I've ever seen. And ultimately, it caused the Pistons to be the biggest winner of the entire draft because now you have Cade Cunningham and Jaden Ivey next to each other. So, I mean, Sacramento's got to be – I've never been, so no offense to the people that live there, but it's got to be one of the most least exciting capitals of a big state like California. <laughs> yeah, how is that the capital? Um, so they're not going to move from Vegas because I don't know how often a team moves from the capital of a state. I would imagine it doesn't happen very often. So I listen, I, I love your rant. I'm, I'm laughing over here. Um, I'm not, and listen, I would pick Jaden Ivey uh, as well as you. I, I don't hate to pick as much. And here would be the reason why I'm not saying it's going to make the Kings good by any means, but I don't hate it because I feel like the Kings have a better starting point where they are right now than what they've had in recent years. So what do I mean by that? Well, they already have a big two. Two guys that are all-star caliber players, not to be all-stars every year, but mm-hmm. this is the first full season that we're going to see a F- Darren Fox and DeMontis Sabonis. So you're already starting in a better position than the Kings have already had in recent years because Fox has really had no help. Buddy Heald's been a solid player, sure, but you know, not nothing spectacular. Um, so you're getting a, just a catch and shoot guy when, cause Fox is a really dribble drive guy, pick and roll with Sabonis. So I think Keegan does fit there and that goes into your point by best fit. So I think you would agree on that. He can be on the wing, yeah. be a catch and shoot guy and they still have buddy Hill, don't they? 
Uh, no, they don't. They traded Buddy they, Hield to the uh, Pacers, and I think he's a free agent now. Okay, then never mind then. So he kind of replaces Buddy Hield as the catch-and-shoot. But the other reason was they have a better coach than what they've had in recent years, or at least a more experienced one, in Mike Brown. So Mike Brown has been in the NBA for a long, long time, was obviously the Cavs coach, and uh, was on the Warriors bench for multiple years. So they're, I think they're He also coached with, the Lakers, I believe, too, there for a little stretch. So I think they're starting with a better coach than what they've had for the last decade. I think they're starting with two solid, very solid players in Sabonis and Fox. But I still agree. I think Ivy would have been great because Ivy, Ivy and Fox running the floor would be the fastest, one of the fastest duos you have in the NBA. Absolutely. So I don't hate it as much, but I, I'm not going to sit here and say I love it. I'm not going to sit here and say it makes the Kings borderline playoff team. But I want to talk about the other side of the trade for what it does for the – or not the trade, the other side of the draft pick for what it does for the Pistons. I think the Pistons now have a very exciting young duo. I'm not going to say it's one of the best young duos. I'm not going to go that far. But in terms of excitement, Jaden Ivey and Katie Cunningham are a very exciting duo. In a city that loves its basketball, in a city that needs some hope, um, I, I think I saw something about Jaden Ivey's father or maybe family member has or maybe mother i think his mother is his mom played, yeah played in detroit i think that's a fascinating story i think that's going to make him want to play very hard in detroit and try to get detroit back to the glory days detroit's a very very proud sports city and their sports teams are some of the worst actually they're probably the worst between the lions the tigers uh the pistons and the red wings are also terrible in hockey now so it's a very proud sports town it's had nothing to cheer for i think it's exciting for them um, and I'm and excited. I'm excited to see what Cunningham and I and Ivy can do together. So I don't think they're going to be very good uh, right away, but I do think they're going to play some exciting basketball. I think they can be like the Rockets. I think they're going to score a lot of points, not play a lot of defense, but it's going to be fun to watch them. Yeah, and I also love too how that they're eating these players' salaries with using their cap space on it and getting p- players like getting Jalen Duran. I thought, I mean, if like we said on the last podcast, Ben, if this draft happened in like. 2008 Jalen Duran would have been a top five pick he probably would have been who the Kings took with that second first round pick you know but or that first round pick instead it's now when everybody wants guards and guards are valued more Jalen Duran falls down the board you know like Walker Kessler probably goes top 15 10 years ago you know like I thought Jalen Duran was a great pickup by them I mean I just I just thought the Pistons absolutely killed the draft the fact that they were able to get those guys on their team and build off what they have now you got Sadiq Bay in there as well I mean you got Olenek you have Isaiah. Who was Stewart. the? Was it, who was? It may have been Sadiq Bay. Who was the guy that finished on like the the all rookie first team or maybe a second team for the, the Pistons? Pistons? I can't even who remember the, who it was. Who were some of their better players in the last two draft classes? It may have been Sadiq Bay. Yeah, Sadiq Bay was the and Isaiah Stewart were solid two draft classes ago. Last year, I think their only pick was uh Kate Cunningham, if I'm mistaken. They I, I think I no, I think I'm thinking of uh of Sadiq Bay, but you mentioned Isaiah Stewart, who's had some some mm-hmm. decent minutes in the NBA. So listen, I like what the Pistons are doing. I mean, and Cade Cunningham, we you and I talked about a lot when he, when we were talking about his draft class. He's a guy that makes everyone around him better. He's a yep. point guard that's gonna do uh he's gonna score, he's gonna assist, and he's gonna rebound. He's gonna get everyone involved and he's gonna push the pace and not many faster guys, if any faster guy in this draft class than Jed and Ivy. Yeah, give it – I promise you all, give it three years and the Pistons will be competing for a top spot in the East. I'm ready to go ahead and say that much right there. Ivy's a sophomore. Two years from now, he should – in that third year that he's in the league, that'll be Cade's fourth year. 
this team's going to be scary, man. They're not going to be a team you want to play against. I mean, other thing I like about it too, is all the, all these teams in the bottom part of the draft, except for the, except for really the thunder, all these teams are going to be exciting teams to watch next year when you're watching NBA. I mean, there's, it's, it makes the league even better, man, that there's so many teams that you can want to watch. You know what I mean? There's very few teams at this point that you wouldn't want to turn your team on and watch now. And, um, and the thunder can get good whenever they want with all these picks that they have stocked up. Yeah, the also too though, I thought the Thunder was another team that had a great draft. I like what the Thunder did in the draft. You know, like they were able to make that trade with the Knicks so that they could get uh Usman Jang. I mean, Usman Jang is kind of like he's like that player you create on 2K. He's 6'10. He's got ball handler skills. He can pass, he can shoot, he can kind of do it all. I thought it was fun. I mean, they love those guys. They got him, Chet, they got Puko now. I feel like they got one other guy who can do that too. They picked both the Jalen Williams as well. I just felt like that OKC really knew what they were doing in this draft, and they went ahead and stacked things up because, I mean, SGA is already a pretty good player. I mean, Josh Giddy is already your point guard of the future. Think about it. OKC could potentially have a lineup they could play where their shortest guy on the floor could be Giddy or 6'5 SGA. I mean, that's a scary lineup to look at going ahead. Yeah, I think they have an exciting future for sure. Um, other than that, Ben, was there really anybody else that you threw any picks that like you really wanted to talk about that went down in the NBA draft? So, I mean, I, I talked about it before, how much I liked Benedict Matherin. I just don't know what the Pacers' game plan is moving forward, I guess just to say. Kind of reminds me of, like, a Victor Oladipo, which is who they already had. Yeah. Um, I, the, more, the more I read about Dyson Daniels going to the Pelicans, I like that draft Ooh, pick. that's a good one to bring up. Because their defense was – And you add him, you add Zion back. I think the Pelicans could have a pretty good squad. Yeah, no, I agree with you completely, Ben. I mean, first of all, with the Pacers thing, now you have Duarte. I mean, Brogdon's probably gone. Turner's probably gone. But, I mean, still on top of that, though, man, you still have Duarte. You still have um, – why am I drawing a blank on it? Halliburton, and you add Matherin in there. That's a solid three guys right there that you have to play in your in your backcourt. And then when you look at things from the flip side of things, like you said with the Pelicans, I mean, all I've heard about Dyson Daniels, he's a great off-ball defender. You also have Jose Alvarado. You also have Herb Jones. You're getting Zion back. You have Brandon Ingram. This Pelicans team's going to be scary, man. I saw a couple of people saying they're taking them to win the West. I don't think they can win the win the West or anything like that. But I do think they can get to the conference finals. This team's going to be competitive. The only problem is the West is a scary, scary conference. you got a lot of good teams. you still got Dallas. you still got the Clippers. you still got the Championship Warriors. you still got the Grizzlies. There's a lot of good teams in the Western Conference. But this Pelicans team is stacked and loaded. I mean, the, the difference, the distance now between the teams in the NBA just keeps getting shorter and shorter and shorter. And you know who the Pelicans have to thank for loading them up? the los angeles lakers yeah they're they're in an interesting situation um with westbrook coming back i it, you know i don't know what they do i they could they could easily miss the playoffs yeah no i mean we'll, we'll get to the lakers here in a second um i'm trying to think i really don't even know if there is any other picks that I feel like we should really talk about? I mean, there was a lot of good draft picks, but I feel like we pretty much hit all the main ones. Um, any Was there any other stories that you really wanted to hit on, Ben? From the draft class? Obviously, we got um, more free agency stuff. I think we're good on the draft class. Yeah, I think I think I'm good on the draft. Um, yeah, though, I kind of liked the, the Mark Williams pick by Charlotte, I think is a good one, because they're in desperate mm-hmm. need of the center. Um I mean, I guess we can talk about the Hawks just real quick. A.J. Griffin, 
Um, I mean, I wasn't the, his biggest fan with watching him play at Duke. I was scared that when the Hawks were drafting that he could be a shooter that isn't a great shooter. Yeah. But talking to some Duke friends of mine, they, they like the pick a lot. They think he fits in well. So we'll kind of see what he goes from there. Yeah, I was listening to one podcast and they were talking pretty in-depth about each pick. And they were saying, you know, like, you got to give A.J. Griffin a little bit of the benefit of the doubt. Think about it. Trevor Keels, not the best passer. Um, Jeremy Roach, not the best passer. Um, who's the other one? I mean, they obviously had Palo, and then they had another Duke guy, too. Um, oh, Wendell Moore. Like, I mean, those guys are not the best, like, passers you've ever seen. You know what I, I mean? They're good players, don't get me wrong. But he kind of felt like, you know, Griffin was like – didn't get the ball as much as he should. But ultimately, I don't think the Hawks could have made a better pick than Griffin. He was the best possible player we could have picked, so I was pretty satisfied with that. Um, let's talk a little bit, though, about general free agency. Obviously, Ben, there's a lot of buzz around KD and Kyrie. There might have been somebody on this podcast. Um, I won't give you all a hint, but you probably know who it was, hinting at KD coming to Atlanta. Obviously, that's not going to happen anymore. Ultimately, Ben, do you think that with Kyrie recommitting back to the Nets, do you think that the Nets will start the season with both of them on the roster? Do you think some shakeup still going to happen? I do. Uh, is Steve Nash still their coach? Yeah. So I think that is one of the more interesting headlines the Nets have that mm-hmm. no one is talking about. It, I think it's very clear Steve Nash and Kyrie Irving do not get along. They might get along as like people, but in terms of like basketball knowledge, I don't think Kyrie liked – what Steve Nash wanted them to do. I don't think Steve Nash enjoyed coaching Kyrie Irving. Kyrie Irving once said last year that him and – I don't know if he said him and KD, but I, I remember him saying he doesn't feel like he even needs a coach. I mean, you need a life coach more than an NBA coach, maybe. <laughs> but, yeah, I, I think they start the year because Kyrie re-signing is just for a one-year deal. So, I, or it's the like out of the four that he signed, I believe. Um, or is it two years left? I think it's one for Katie. So I think they just no for Kyrie. Yeah, Kyrie. This is the last year of his deal. Yeah. So I think they run it back one more time. This is this is might be a wild take because he is a very talented basketball player. If mm-hmm. let's say okay, so let's say Kyrie and Katie run it back this year. Let's say the Nets don't win at all, and mm-hmm. there's less drama, but there is still drama. Okay. Hmm. What are the chances Kyrie Irving gets blackballed for the rest of his career? He is easily in the category of some people are not going to want him, and it has nothing to do with what he brings on the court. I'd say the chance of that happening is zero. You know, it's kind of like how Carmelo Anthony was able to get back in the league. I don't, I could, I don't see Carmelo, but Carmelo isn't like a toxic person in a locker room. Carmelo just didn't play defense and didn't help teams win. Yeah, I see. I don't see Kyrie getting blackballed. I think he's too talented. I think there's always going to be a team that's going to get desperate enough and give Kyrie a call. But ultimately, I think the Nets running it back, though, is still a smart decision. At the end of the day, Katie and Ben Simmons could be a nightmare for teams, especially if they want to go small ball and play with that lineup. You still have Seth Curry. You still have Kyrie. Patty Mills Joe did Harris just will come opt back. out. Yeah, Joe Harris. I've seen him floated around a lot of trade talks, so we'll see what happens there. Still have Claxton. Um Dragic is probably out, but I mean, the Nets will be able to pull in one or two other guys. Blake Griffin as well is an interesting name to see if they bring him back or not, but still got LaMarcus Aldridge. I mean, at the end of the day, man, this team is still very talented, and I think we're sleeping on how good they actually are. They match up really well with the Bucks. I mean, at the end of the day, Katie was a shoe, was basically the tip of his shoe away from sending them by himself into the possibly winning a championship, you know? You would have sent them to the conference finals. I think they beat Atlanta with Trey Young's injury, so 
I still think the Nets are very much a force, and I would be scared of them. Let's flip flip the switch here, though. First of all, did you think there was a chance the Lakers were actually going to be able to offload Westbrook and acquire Irving? No, not really. <laughs> That's what I'm saying, especially the fact that they didn't want to put on more than a one first-round pick. I mean, if I was a team and the Lakers called me and said they wanted to do that, I would have been like, I would have hung the phone up on them immediately. I think Russell Westbrook is untradeable. I love Westbrook as a guy, as a player and as a guy personally, but I just think that he's reached that untradeable status and it really is, is unfortunate, you know, for a guy like him. Um, yeah, man, you know, I think that the – I think the Lakers are are screwed, though, honestly. I think this is going to be a bad team again. I think they'll be lucky to hit the play-in game once again. At the end of the day, Anthony Davis is going to get hurt. LeBron's going to get hurt. He's old after those guys. I mean, Westbrook, if Westbrook's just not the same player he used to be. Westbrook getting the contract he got and the Lakers trading for him would almost be the equivalence of, like, let's say the Buccaneers right now decided to trade for, let's say that, the I'm trying to think of a running back. Let's say Ezekiel. Let's say the Cowboys decided to give Ezekiel Elliott a new contract and make him the highest paid running back in NFL history. And then the Buccaneers turn around and traded for him. That's literally what it's the equivalence to. Like Russell Westbrook was a damn good player, but the way he plays does not age well. And he's basically just like a running back, in my opinion, that's taken too many hits and is done. What What if I don't want to blame Frank Vogel? What if that offense didn't suit him. Westbrook? Cause now, yeah, because now they have a new coach. Like, it, it, come on, it wouldn't shock you, who's a big NBA guy. It can't shock people if Westbrook just, like, started to play much better next year. Like, he's a very talented player. Well, yeah. See, he doesn't fit at all, though, with what the Lakers do. So, Anthony Davis doesn't want to play center. Well, that was my point. That was yeah. my point, though. What if they change the offense? Like, it, if I'm the coach – I literally would tell Russell Westbrook, I said, you get four, no, you get five or less jump shots a game. And I want you to take 15 shots a game. Why wouldn't he, he can still blow past anyone in the league with his size, speed, and strength. I would just like, I'm not saying like, I I don't want it to be like one of those where like, you know, you have a Ferrari and you keep the keys in the, You keep it in the garage. It's not one of those. It's saying, Russ, this is how you maximize your potential at your current situation, age, shooting ability. I think the the way to get the max out of Russell Westbrook is to tell him to play to his strengths. Stop trying to bank every shot. You're not at the YMCA working on drills, dude. If you're going to shoot a jump shot, look for the front of the rim like every shooting coach in America has ever told the kid they're training. I don't know where he's getting the bank shot from. Like, he's not Larry Bird. So, play to your strengths. That's what I would tell him. I mean, I don't know if he would listen, but that's what I would tell him. Well, guys, we took a brief pause there because Ben was taking his dog out on a quick walk before it starts hailing again here in Georgia. It's crazy weather right now, as always, in Atlanta, Georgia. But anyway, guys... Back to what we were talking about, Ben was talking about with the Lakers and Westbrook. But I agree with you, though, Ben. I mean, look, I don't want to think Westbrook sunk. I like Westbrook as a player and all. I just think at the end of the day with the lineup they play on the floor, Anthony Davis can shoot threes. You don't want Anthony Davis hanging around on the on the line, though, shooting a lot of threes. You want him dominating the paint. He has to play with another center. Unless you get another three-point shooting center, which they're probably not going to, 
you're going to be stuck with one non-three-point shooters, two non-three-point shooters with Westbrook. Then you have LeBron. Then you have Davis. I mean, that's just a slow lineup all around. You got to have another shooter on there as well. You got to put shooters around the team. I just absolutely hate this roster. I guess Kendrick Nunn's going to come back and play, but it's Kendrick freaking Nunn. It's not LeBron. It's not Kyrie Irving. You know, I, I, I don't like the way this is heading for the Lakers. I'd be shocked to see them being anything more than an eight, eight or seven seed. Yeah. Uh, we're unfortunately at a point in Anthony Davis's career that you have to assume he's going to get injured and miss some games. Um, given. Yeah. I mean, LeBron too. LeBron, I think I saw a stat that he in the last like two, maybe three seasons has almost missed more games than he has played. Mm-hmm. That's excusable. I mean, like the guy's body is an alien, but he's also 37 or 38 years old. Um, so I mean, listen, the Lakers can can pull some magic out maybe for for a couple weekends out of the season. I don't think they can do it for 82 games in, in a really, really tough Western Conference. Yeah. Um, we'll see, though. I mean, I don't want to ever doubt LeBron, but, like, even if they make the playoffs or play in the game, I don't think they're going to go very far. But it's going to be tough to, like, not see LeBron in the playoffs again. If nah, that's I won't case. miss him. I won't miss him. I'll say this though. If I'm LeBron, man, I'm requesting a trade on out of there, but you know, that ain't going to happen. Um, let's keep it not moving. LeBron is in the league. Yeah. Not till Bronny's in the league. Exactly. The rumor is that he's going to force his way to win the, they have the Vegas team and he's going to be the first owner slash players. He wants to be a partial owner of the team in Vegas. So we'll see what ends up happening there with all that. That's another topic though for another day. Um, Ben, another big free agent news. John wall gets bought out by the rockets. He's on the move now to the Clippers. Talk about the Clippers here a little bit. I put out on Twitter that I took a bite out of them at plus six. I believe it was like 650 and plus uh, 380 to win the West and to win the title. I think the Clippers are the team to beat now, man. When you look at this roster up and down, this team is absolutely loaded. They got Zubats at center who they just extended. You got Kawhi Leonard, Paul George, John Wall, Luke Kennard. Um, You have Covington who just got extended as well. You have Norman Powell. Um, I know there's somebody else that I'm not. Oh, Reggie Jackson. I mean, the list just goes on and on and on. They're apparently they're going to bring back Batum as well. This team is absolutely loaded. Do you think they're the front runners of the West next year, even with the championship warriors on that side? No, I don't think they're the front runners. Cause I think they're an unreliable team. I think you have games where Kawhi Leonard's going to say, Oh, my knee hurts. I need load <laughs> management. Um, uh, listen, I love Kawhi Leonard. What he does. I don't. Is an absolute ju- what he does is an absolute joke. The NBA shouldn't allow it. If you're hurt, don't play. But uh, some NBA player, maybe Richard Jefferson, uh, was saying there's a difference between being hurt and injured. You can play when you're hurt. You can't play when you're injured. NBA guys don't do that nowadays. They have a little boo-boo scratch on their knee, and and unless they get a little Hello Kitty Band-Aid, they don't play. So I think Paul George is, is re- not reliable to play a ton of games anymore in his career. I don't think Kawhi is reliable. John Wall. He's a different case because some of it's been injured. and Some of it's been a mutual agreement, which is ridiculous. A mutual agreement to not play. No, it was the Rockets didn't want him to play. He wanted to play, but they didn't want him to play. And I mean, obviously he's not going to opt out because he's making $44 sure. million, dollars, you know? So it's, like, it's still, it's still ridiculous. The NBA shouldn't allow that. If you're on contract and you are mm-hmm. physically healthy to play, you shouldn't be allowed to just sit someone out. Um, but he's played like 40 games in, in like the last four years, probably not even yep. that. So um, 
I just think there's a lot of question marks. I'm not going to call them the front runner. I do think they're a very talented roster. I do think Ty Lue is a very good coach. Um, I think it's all there for the Clippers, but I think there's a lot of question marks compared to other teams. And like I said earlier on, I think the West is absolutely loaded. Yeah, I think the West and East, I mean, I think both conferences are very loaded. I think they are the front runners, the East though. Is more top heavy. The East is more top heavy because I think the East, like the first round matchups, you have some yeah. ones where it's like, all right, the Bucks aren't losing in the first round or like, uh, but I think in the West, like, you may not have a lot of upsets come next year's playoffs, but I think not every matchup is going to be very easy. Now, that is for sure. I like this Clippers roster, though. I think they're the deepest team probably in the league. I think John Wall, I mean, at the end of the day, man, John Wall's a maestro. He can make and create plays like nobody else can. I think adding him in this team in here makes the team super scary. He's going to play with that chip on his shoulder. At the end of the day, though, I think with the speed and the pace that the NBA games play at nowadays, that it makes sense not to play your guys all 82 games. At the end of the day, you know, they're going to have to miss a couple back-to-backs and whatnot. Sure, I definitely no, don't that's, agree. That's I def- perfectly fine. Yeah, I don't yeah. agree, though, at all with what Kawhi Leonard does. I hate Kawhi Leonard for that exact reason. He doesn't care about the fans. At the end of the day, he makes no money without the fans, and he doesn't give a damn about us why would why should we care about him that's why i never understand when somebody tells me their favorite player is quiet i'm like so your favorite player is a guy who doesn't even care about you and the fact that you spend money to go to these games and he won't even play for you 80 percent of the time like give me a break does john wall make his teammates better is, is the question there i don't I think know if he does. he's ever i don't know if he's ever proven that though I mean, when he was on the Wizards, though, like that in those last couple seasons before he got injured, he Gortat decent, I guess. He was unreal in those in that. Like I remember that playoff series when they, they lost on the Kelly Olynyk game to the Celtics in that Game Seven that would have put him in the Eastern Conference Finals. I mean, John Wall was at a different level at that point in his career. I think I'm not saying I don't think he's going to be at that level again, but I don't think he has to be. I think Kawhi and Paul George right. can carry him and the rest of these other guys. I mean, the defensive wings they have is crazy. I just think this team's too deep and they have the best coach, but. Hey, it's a long season, man. Anything can and will happen, which we've learned. I almost just think the Clippers, like, because he's not an off-ball player, John Wall. He never has been. He's not a good enough shooter to be. And Paul George and Kawhi are both ball-dominant guys. So that's where I just – that's where a question mark, question mark lies for me is how do they all fit together? Mm-hmm. Um, because Covington and Batum can obviously play off-ball in a catch-and-shoot situation. John Wall's not really that guy. Paul George can be though, but he's going to have the ball in his hands. So, I I just think there's more question marks that that we can't have answered right now. Mm-hmm. I almost feel like the Clippers wanted him because one, they they believe he can make their team better. That's obvious. But two, they didn't want him going to someone else because I think John Wall can make other teams better than he than what he can and will do for the Clippers. Yeah. No, I think I think he makes the Clippers a much better team. I think they need that point guard spy. Reggie Jackson's too erratic sometimes. Reggie Jackson, Reggie Great Jackson thinks he is like LeBron, dead ass. And in <laughs> reality, he's like he's kind of like a, a six man. You should have confidence in yourself at all times, but the irrational confidence, like I feel like Reggie Jackson has sometimes, and Patrick Beverly has all the time, can can hurt you sometimes. But Reggie Jackson is a very good point. He, he's a very good player. Oh yeah. He is good. I think he's great off the bench. The best meme on the internet, I think, was the I knew it was over win, and it's the picture of Reggie Jackson when he made that buzzer beater on the Lakers, you know, where he gets dribbling at like 100 miles per hour. That's one of my favorite memes of all time. I don't know why, but it's just so funny because just knowing how Reggie Jackson plays and stuff, it makes it even funnier. But no, I think this Clippers team's loaded, man. I think they're the team to beat in the West, personally. Actually, I guess I can't say they're the team to beat in the West just because you have the reigning champions who are probably going to bring mostly everybody back. Except, although I will say this, I don't think Gary Payton Jr. is coming back. I think he's going to get 
upwards of $15 million, which I mean, at the end of the day, if you're the Warriors, yeah, Gary Payton Jr. is an absolute beast. He did a lot of good things for your franchise, but I can't pay him. I, I mean, you can't pay him that much money when you have Kaminga and Moody in the wings, you know, like you got to have room for, you can't be locked down with these guys. I mean, he's got to get his, you know, with the guy. I mean, he almost, he was almost going to be like one of the video guys for the Warriors. Like he almost wasn't even going to play the season. Like he was literally that close. So he's got to get his, but also too, I mean, you know, Kaminga and Moody, one of them be ready to make the jump. I think Kaminga would be the one ready to make the jump. So those guys will step into bigger roles as well this upcoming season. Yeah. What'd you think about the Nuggets trade? I like the Nuggets trade, honestly. Don't get me wrong. Monte Morris and Will Barton are more ball-dominant players, but you have Michael Porter Jr. coming back. You have Bones Highland stepping up into a better role. You also, on top of that, you have Jamal Murray coming back. So you have three new ball-dominant guys because Jamal Murray – Don't they have Composo as well? Yeah, they also have Composo. Yeah. See, the thing is, you don't want to pay – like, those guys are making a lot of money too. The Nuggets are positioned now to land one more player. I mean, there's a lot of decent – like, there's a lot of, like – mid-level players i would say who like can do you know like four out of five things well and they have that one thing that's kept them from being an all-star but they're still damn good players you know like a tj warren like i know ladipo at this point in his career guys like that kind of and i think it makes them a player to give decent money to a guy like that to bring in and really help their team more i mean casey the nuggets had terrible defense last year kcp gives you wing defense and a great three-point shot um also i mean ish smith's a respectable you know backup point guard to have to give you a, a, a eight, 10 minutes a year and get also to ish Smith. Now the most traded player in the history of the NBA 13th team he'll play for the 13 or 16. <laughs> it might be 16. Actually. I remember, um, I remember that one off season. I think it was one or two off seasons ago. He got traded three times before he actually got to play for somebody. I feel for him, but at the same time, you really can't when you see he's making two, when you see he's made like $30 million playing in the NBA. So I like the trade but for a different reason that you didn't mention. So to me, one of the greatest uh-huh. strengths that the Nuggets have had in recent years was their depth. Yeah. They've had more depth than anyone, and it's been helpful for them. Jokic plays most games, but they can shuffle guys in and out, keep guys fresh. At some point, if your depth isn't really winning, and obviously Jamal Murray being hurt two seasons um, has a lot to do with that, or once in the playoffs and then full season, I would trade the depth for just straight-up talent. Mm-hmm. Ask your star players to play more minutes. Now, obviously, that's a little harder with Jamal Murray because I don't know if I would increase his minutes because he hasn't been able to play with them. Yeah. But Michael Porter Jr., like his back, like you, you need to figure out what he is. So they're taking a hurt, like a, a not like a beating, but they're stepping a little bit back in depth because Morris and Barton were two very good role players for them. But you're giving your stars a little bit more ball dominance. So I think that is better for them. Obviously, Bones uh, showed enough for the Nuggets that he can actually play off the bench. So that's why I like the trade, honestly. Yeah, I'm a big Bones guy. Um, I think think KCP fits great with Jokic, by the way. Jokic finds the corner corner uh, pocket three a lot, and KCP can hit that. So, And also, I talk about this a lot. KCP is a winner. He has a ring in his safe, on his finger, wherever he wants, wherever he wants it. That's got to be valuable in some way. You know where I think KCP fit better? Mm-hmm. On the Hawks. Lakers. And not play him, not Russell Westbrook. That's another story for another day. Um, next up, let's just talk real quick here about some of the big free agents. Um, Bradley Beal, he did opt out earlier today. He's I, I would be absolutely shocked if he does not return to the Wizards once again. Zach Levine, it looks like he's going to return to the Bulls. DeAndre Ayton. 
Let's talk about this piece here real quick. I want to talk about Aiton, and then I think Miles Bridges is going to come back. James Harden is going to come back. And I want to talk about Jalen Brunson, and then we can call it after those two. So the two guys are going to talk about. Look, the Suns are idiots. This is as stupid as what the Kings did in the draft. First of all, I, I, this was when I first started my podcast. It was on the Luka and Trey draft when Aiden went number one overall. I said Aiden was a terrible choice for them at the number one pick, not because I don't think he's a great player, because I think he's going to be a good player, but I think you can have Luka and Trey. So first of all, I'm going to bash them for that because that was idiotic not taking Luka or Trey with the first overall pick. The second thing I'm going to bash them for is you can't let DeAndre Aiden walk for nothing, and no matter what – why would you let him walk? When I think about the Suns roster, I mean, yeah, you can say that JaVale McGee and Bismack Biombo can do things for you, but at the same time, they don't win that first-round series when Booker goes down without DeAndre Ayton in there. At the end of the day, who's the best big man in the league? A guy who can play defense, he can rebound, he's smart, he is a floater, he can finish around the basket, he can catch alley-oops. Oh, wait, that's everything DeAndre Ayton can do. Why not go ahead and pay him? I mean, at the end of the day, you got to go in the luxury tax and pay your guys if you want to win a championship. Nobody wants a championship off being cheap. Suns are just flat out stupid. I kind of disagree. Um, no. I, I, I like all your points are great. Like he, I think he shot sixty percent. Uh, he's a tremendous rebounder. He can block some shots. He, he's great in the pick and roll slash pick and pop because he can shoot the mid range now. I think Aiden's a good player, but the Suns already proved to us that they don't want that they don't think. It's not that they don't want to pay Aiton. Mm-hmm. They don't think he's a max player. So I think the Suns are in a lose-lose situation right now because if you pay him, they value him as being overpaid, and if he doesn't deliver, then you're stuck, right? Well, let me let me ask you this real quick. If you pay DeAndre Aiton the max, which would be – it's either 25 or $30 million a year for five years, do you think that's an untradeable contract? I don't think it is. Can't hear you, Ben. I mean, I don't think it's untradeable. I agree. So, th- so that's a valid point. I just think they, like, we know they don't want to pay him. They've they've yeah. already had a chance to offer him the max, and they didn't do it. They made him wait another season. So they don't want to pay him the max. So, so there's the first lose situation because he wants the max. If they sign and trade with him, though, then it's not a lose-lose situation because you're getting something in return for him. And you can get something in return for him. So, like, while I agree he is a good player, if they don't think he fits in in a championship window for them, then I wouldn't sign him. That, that's just my viewpoint on it. Based on what we already know from the Suns, they don't mm-hmm. think he's a max player. So why would they get bullied into thinking he is a max player? I feel like they've already made up their mind. I agree with you. I think he's out there. I don't think there's any way he stays in Phoenix. I think after this, at, like we talked about on that, actually, I don't remember if you were on the pod. Actually, no, you were. You did talk about it with me. It was after they said that it was an internal reason why he never came back in that game seven when the they Dallas absolutely destroyed them. It was an internal reason. I knew it was dead in the water after that. Their mind so, was I mean, made up. Yeah, their mind was made up. So, I mean, there's no way they're bringing him back. I mean, I think it's stupid, though, personally. I don't see any way that the Suns can get better losing DeAndre Ayton. I don't see how using a replacement-level center and just not replacing him with another max player is going to make them any better. I mean, I like Bridges. I like Cam Johnson. Those guys can't create their own shot. I mean, Chris Paul is 38 years old. I mean, we saw him drop off in the playoffs. What's to keep him from dropping off even more? You know, he's not LeBron. Um, he, didn't have, he, did, he did drop off because Booker got hurt, though. Yeah, I definitely I mean, Chris do. Paul's not a one anymore. 
He's not. I definitely don't think the Suns are going to win the West again. I think they'll be a good team still. I'm like, I'm not writing them off as being a good team. I, at the end of the day, I can, I think there's at least three to four teams better than them at this point. Um, let's keep things moving though. Let's talk about Jalen Brunson here. First of all, I actually saw a report right before we discussed this, the heat and there's one other team are actually in on Jalen Brunson as well. It's not a done deal yet. Him going to the Knicks after they clear all this cap space. The Mavericks are also in on him, by the way. Yeah. Oh, that was the, yeah, it was the Heat, the Mavericks. And I think there was maybe even one other team are in on him along with the Knicks. It's not a done deal yet. First of all, Ben, would you give Jalen Brunson $30 million? Like my instant reaction is no. Um, Correct. Yeah. But he did have a really good year. So he's going to get, he's going to get money. So if you want what he can bring to the table, then the money aside is is whatever. Like, here's the thing. The Knicks have to get better in some way. But, like, mm-hmm. is Jalen Brunson the missing piece? No. I mean, the Knicks, this is going – I know the NBA is different, but, like, Patrick Ewing didn't win with the Knicks. Like, Bernard King is one of the best shooters, didn't win with the Knicks. Like, Carmelo Anthony made the playoffs but didn't win with the Knicks. So, like, I think R.J. Barrett is a clear one. Um, I'm not, I'm not going to admit I was totally wrong on him because I, I thought he was going to be a good player. I was right that I thought it would just take him time. He's good. He had a very good season this last season. The problem is, and I said this all of last year, let's go back two years ago, the last time the Knicks mm-hmm. made the playoffs. Their best player was Julius Randle. He was very, very good. He won most improved player and he was very deserving. They made the playoffs. They lost. That's fine. Whatever. The next season. The season that R.J. Barrett, the guy that they need to be their star, became their star, the Knicks missed the playoffs and were a lot worse. So how does your star player become your star, but your team gets a lot worse? Is it because the coaching's bad? Yes. Maybe. Is it because the front office has no idea what they're doing? Yes. Maybe. It's a culmination of a lot of things with the Knicks. So everyone on Twitter saying the Knicks shouldn't do Brunson – it wouldn't make a difference right now. It makes them better because they're adding a quality player until they're, and they've changed front office members until their front office member finds a direction that they want to go in and they stick to it. It doesn't matter. They have no fluidity in the Knicks organization because they keep turning people over and over and over. So I I still think the Knicks problem is the bigger picture rather than who they bring in and who they let go. My personal opinion is they should blow it up. And as much as it might suck to suck once again, I think that they're better off blowing it up and tanking it out again. I mean, I like Obi Toppin's game. I like RJ Barrett's game. You play as the worst team in the East. You get in the top of a, of a stacked up draft class. And then next year you figure it out again. But at the same time, Ben, I thought you actually made a lot of good points there. I mean, if you want to be competitive, still paying Jalen Brunson, that isn't bad. I mean, at the end of the day, none of these teams that we just that I named at the beginning are going to give Jalen Brunson that. This is where it really hangs me up. I sent you this tweet earlier. Player A, 19 points per game, 5.5 assists, 4.8 rebounds. Player B, 16.5 points per game, 3.6 assists, 6.6 rebounds. Um, he actually, This player is actually hitting 2.73 pointers per game. The other player is hitting 1.6. Um, player a is Jalen Brunson player B is Alec Burks. I mean, Alec Burks makes like $8 million a year. Jalen Brunson's making 30. I don't know if that's 
really that much of a difference. But at the same time, like you said, if the Knicks really want to just be in the playoffs and are just satisfied with winning some, with winning 45 games and making the playoffs, then by all means, it's a great move. But if the Knicks really want to actually get good and make this team good again, it is a stupid move in my opinion. But at the same time, if I'm Jalen Brunson, I think Jalen Brunson's an idiot if he doesn't go to New York for four years, $110 million a year. Think that he's never going to see better money than that the rest of his life. His stock has never been as high as it is now. I think Jalen Brunson could go make should go make the move. Yeah. Um, and from a basketball perspective, it – makes more sense to stay with the Mavericks because they're more of a championship yeah. contender. Um, but it's not all about basketball. I mean, some people, you know, want to make a lot of money. So I, I think if the Mavericks give him the confidence that they're willing to resign him, I, I would say he's going to choose the Mavericks over the Knicks. I, um, or the I, Heat, if, if that's true. Yeah, well, if the Mavs, I don't think the Mavs will extend him that kind of offer. I mean, for the Mavs, it kind of sucks. They said they would be, I saw that they'd be willing to give him five years. I wonder how much money, though. I mean, if the Mavs are giving you $5 million less per year, I would probably take the money to try to win games. I mean, look, I, from the, from a Mavs perspective of things, I'm not, I can't sit here as the Mavs guy and say that they're a better team without Brunson because they're not. I'd be lying to you guys if I said that. Yeah, they added Christian Wood, but they still need Jalen Brunson back here. They need that other creator. I mean, it definitely I guess probably Dinwiddie, be, but I, I think Brunson's better. Yeah, I mean, I like Dinwiddie a lot, but I think that's what made him so good was having that three-headed monster with those three guys. You know, one of them starts, which is Brunson, and then Dinwiddie comes in off the bench. You know, I thought that was really what made them deep and made them such a good team. I think losing Brunson definitely hurts them a lot. I think they, he's an unreplaceable part of their team. And I mean, I get it though for Brunson. He probably doesn't like playing second fiddle to Luca. Not saying that he should be the number one, but at the same time, you know, Luca can hog the ball sometimes. And that's me as a Luca fan saying that, you know. So I definitely get it from Brunson's perspective. But at the same time, I think Dallas needs to get him back. If not, they got to okay. replace him somehow. So we'll see. Anything else you think we need to cover, Ben? I don't think so. Well, guys. Once again, we appreciate everyone who tuned in. Ben, great day to be a Hawks fan. Yeah, great day to be a Hawks fan. Um, guys, so I will go ahead and say this. We will definitely – there will definitely be a podcast at some point next week after a lot of the trade – the uh, NBA offseason pieces fall. I expect probably Tuesday or so. I will be going out of town on Thursday. Then I'll be going out of town again the following week once I get back in town, though. Me and Ben will be in – it'll be football time. Basketball will be an afterthought. Me and Ben will be cranking out all our previews for college football and for NFL. Um, Ben, anything, any final words from you before we get out of here, man? I'm not looking forward to talking about the Falcons. <laughs> I don't know. I kind of am looking forward to talking about the Falcons. I'm looking forward to all of it. I will do my football deep dive here soon, but as always, we appreciate everyone who tuned in and we'll talk to you all again soon.